In the spring of 2021, Mickey Weems was diagnosed with stage 4 prostate cancer and was given 6 to 12 months to live. This episode was recorded in April of 2022. My name is Donna Blanchard, and while we recognize that Mickey is dying, we'd like to welcome you to another day of his life. Hello, Mickey Weems. How are you? I am doing well, and I'm very excited about another project. I got, I got all these projects, right? Um, and this project is a comic book. Oh, let's hear about it. <laughs> it's called Stigmata. And it's about, coincidentally, coincidentally, it's about this man who has stage four cancer, prostate. Coincidentally? How did coincidentally, that happen? Yes. <laughs> coincidentally, he has an Arabic tattoo on his left pec. You know, and it, it says, strangely enough, it says exactly what my Arabic tattoo says. <laughs> um, he also has what he calls his stigmata. And it's, it's, it's a personal joke. Being raised Catholic, of course, you know, the, the, the stigmata, the wounds of Jesus. Um, they're, they're really big when you do, when, especially when you look at what we've just gone through the Easter week, right? Um, I have stig, what I call stigmata. And what it is is stickers that are placed on my body. I will show you one um, right there. Do you see it? It's, it's a round sticker. And on okay. the sticker is a target, is, is a cross, right? And that is literally a target that, that lines up my body. And there, there are stickers on either side of my hips that exactly position me so that when they shoot the x-rays at me they go where they're supposed to go and not to the wrong place and start killing healthy tissue okay those stickers just for any, everybody who couldn't see is on your tummy area just to the left of your belly but between your belly button and hip yeah and there's two right there on either side of my hips too um but when i first got them they were right across right under my pec there were three in a row, one in the center on the sternum, one under the right nipple, and the other one under the left nipple, um, or thereabouts approximately, okay? Um, so for this uh, comic book character, he has those. And what he finds out is that if somebody is, uh, has a massive trauma, like they're in a bad accident, they're bleeding out, um, he can take their hand, touch it to the tattoo, the Arabic tattoo, which will then glow blue, his hand will glow blue, and the three crosses across his uh, pecs, those, those will glow blue, and that person will be healed completely. However, the cancer in our superhero gets worse. Hmm. And his superhero name is Stigma. Ah, uh, is Stigma. How, when did you start working on that? I started working on it a, couple, a few months ago. Um, and he also, whenever it happens, whenever he cures somebody, these visions of these yellow lilies just start blooming like crazy, reflecting, of um, course, that the cancer is getting worse. So this is a good time for us to bring up that Mickey has prostate cancer that is metastasized to a lot uh, of his body and received prognosis in March of 2021 that he would have six to 12 months and it's currently April of 22 when we're recording this and you've been busy. <laughs> that's, that's amazing that you decided to write that story and take that license. Uh, I, I love that. I love everybody should make themselves their hero in their own stories. I love that you did that. 
Thank you. Um, and he's going to undergo all the crap that guys like me go through with prostate cancer. It is not fun. <laughs> I mean, um, problems with bowel movements, problems with urination, um, massive, massive chronic pain. Um, sometimes, um, aches that don't go away. Uh, and of course, the, the, the doubts. I think the doubts are the worst thing. You're like, you're laying awake at night and you're thinking, okay, am I doing the right thing? Is, you know, um, like I said, the, it's, it's a numbers game. I've said, this, I've said something like this earlier. We work with incomplete information from the doctors to the nurses to the patients. We don't know enough about it. And for everybody, it's different. I was told that the targeted radiation would be a walk in the park. Don't worry, you're probably not. You're probably, that, that's, that, that's the key word there. You're probably not going to have any side effects at all. Um, no side effects, my ass. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they were, in my case, they were there. Um, and, you know, your mileage may vary. You may be one of those lucky people who doesn't have that happen. I'm, I'm happy for you. you know. But, yeah, but for me, that, that was tough. Um, so this, this comic book character is going to go through what I'm going through, including the catheterization. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with that, that means taking um, a two foot tube and pushing it up your penis to reach the bladder so that you can urinate. You do that yourself? I do that myself. When I was told that I needed to do it, because otherwise, if the urine stayed in there too long, it would cause me cause sep sepsis. sepsis. It would poison my system. Yeah. So the nurse who was uh, telling me about it, she said, we're going to strap a bag to your leg and uh, the urine will just go into that. And I said, no, you're not going to strap no damn bag to my leg. Is there another alternative? She said, yes, I can teach you how to stick the tube up your penis yourself. And I said, let's do this. And so she goes into drill instructor mode. Now, I'm a Marine, so I'm good with that. Okay. She says, do this. I said, yes, ma'am. She's watching me. You know, I whip out my penis and she says, okay, take this too. Put it up there. And I, so I did. And lo and behold, a urine flow, right? Um, I also found out that there is this, for, for, for you guys having to deal with this, there's actually a fetish in the uh, community of like, you know, alternative sexualities and stuff, like right? um, sex play of uh, what they call uh, sounding. And that involves men sticking things up their penises. So uh -huh. I have found out when I do that with this uh, two foot tube, and I do it probably twice a day. Um, when I do it, there's, um, it's not necessarily unpleasant feeling sometimes. It's, it's what? A, it's got, <laughs> it's got, a little, got a little eroticism to it. And at this stage of the game, I'll, I'll take what I can get, baby. I will never understand you men and your penises. <laughs> I don't get it. Here I was thinking that's got to be so painful, but maybe it, it, it's, oh. it's actually at this point, it's not, it's no longer, it's, 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 it feels weird. Okay. But like I said, it's not without its jollies. So, so you guys haven't done to go it. I hope, I hope you're getting the, the, the positive side of this, you know, the, the silver <laughs> lining of that tube going up your penis. But yeah. Leave it to Mickey. Maybe we should call this podcast Leave It to Mickey because as we talk, <laughs> I'm gaining insight that's just <laughs> confounding. Uh, okay. So um, let, 
let's uh that comic book where are you with that what what where's it where is it in its life it is uh the cover is being drawn right now for it um there are i've already got character development his best friend is bc or um basket case who's also a marine who suffers from serious ptsd and can read minds um there's another character she's roma her name is Diamond. Her skin will be covered completely with diamond scales when she goes into battle mode. And the problem with that is that when she does it, she um, it, it cuts her skin. So when oh. the if she if she wears this the the diamonds the the, the the scales too long, she'll get cuts all over her body. So uh, each, each of these powers comes with comes with a cost. It's kind of like treatment. Um, there's another gentleman who's uh, who is named. Uh, named after my friend uh, Ralph Bush from Alabama. He's an African-American friend of mine that I went to college with, and he has prostate cancer. Um, he's called Fade. And when he, he can walk through a crowd and nobody will notice him. It's not that he's invisible. They just don't notice him. So he can go and he can assassinate people. So that's, that's the crew that uh, Stigma is joining. Man, I love, you know, there, there, I've had some troublesome times in my life that I've reached for art. I've used art to help me with, and I've, you know, painted dying trees <laughs> and I've written morose poetry and it has helped, it's helped me walk through the, the black bile that I'm going through. I love that you're using the comic book medium to do that, that you're doing this for yourself and you're doing it in such an innovative way that, God, I really hope you get some traction with that. Really hope. Inshallah. Yeah. Inshallah. Yes. God willing. Ah, okay. Inshallah. Yes. Um, thank you for that. I want to see the comic book. <laughs> um. Uh, okay, so let's talk a little bit about y you. Now we're not talking about the comic oh, book. Well, here. let me mention that there's one oh. other character in it. Oh, okay. A cat. And yeah. Kit Kat, who right now is on my bed. Oh. Let me show you Kit Kat. The, the, the viewers, I am moving the camera so that <laughs> they can see my little baby on the bed. Can you see her? She's kind of. Not quite. Is she okay, very, very dark? Oh, I can see a dark blob. Okay, that, that's her. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, don't let her know that I called her that. Oh, she's good. She's asleep. <laughs> so you have brought your own cat into your comic book with you. Yeah, she's going to have a superpower too. I haven't made up my mind what it's going to be. What What's your process been like writing that? It's been fun because it allows me, my, since I can't do academic work anymore, since my mind is not allowing me that, that's, that's part of the, I think that's part of the process that, the those of us who, who go through cancer um our minds change and part of that means that certain things i used to be able to do i cannot do anymore but other things are going really strong the creative impulse with this comic book is is, is, is phenomenal for me so um yeah it's good how did you decide to start doing that what, what did you were you just inspired one day and said i'm i want to write this did you say i'm going to do this for my health for my mental health or something else it came from something that i said to somebody they asked me 
why I continue to bodybuild and why I do, and here's a little information about my personal life, why I do uh, anabolic steroids um, to keep up my physique. And I told them that it's, it's a superpower for me to keep a really good physique. It feels like a superpower, even though it's a superpower that at the time I thought was shortening my life because I thought that anabolic steroids would, be, would, would feed the cancer. What I found out from my, from my oncologist was no, um, not the anabolic. If I were doing testosterone, that would be an issue. But the anabolic, not so much. I'm not going to say it doesn't help it, but he, but he, said, he said, definitely do not do testosterone. So um, that's when I, when I started talking about how, it, how like having a really great physique is like a superpower. Then I started, then the comic book started coming through and these images that I had of the lilies, I thought, okay, I can put that in the comic book. My friends that I have, um, my, my, my friend, Eric, who does have massive PTSD from having uh, seen his comrades die when overseas at war. Um, my friend, um, uh, Boyo, she's Roma, um, talking with her about the, the things that she and the Roma community go through. Um, my friend, Ralph Bush, the one who has prostate cancer, who is a star, who lives in Montgomery, Alabama, and constantly fighting the racism applied to African-Americans in Alabama. He's, kind of, he's on the forefront of that. Now, you know, sometimes he'll, you know, he'll be pimped out by the establishment as you know, one of the good blacks, right? But then he'll, he'll become invisible. You know, pe people will just ignore him when he tries to say something important about the African-American community. And people will say things like, you know, oh, forget Alabama. Alabama's useless. And he says, no, well, there's a bunch of us who are fighting against the ignorance there. A bunch of, bunch of us, you know, a bunch of African. You can't just throw out every African-American because you think the state of Alabama is ignorant. And I grew up part of my life there and I love the people there. I would, you know, I chose not to live there. Uh, but yeah. Um, but I respect Ralph and him staying there and fighting the good fight. So he's in that comic book. So, so all these people, they're being represented and in, in, in eloquent, at least hopefully, you know, that their real life situations are reflected in the mythologies I'm creating about them as superheroes. That that's beautiful. And, and, you know, you mentioned before, um, things that you have to forgive yourself for do you feel like you're able to express some of that through those artistic endeavors the things that i have to forgive myself for number one arrogance and it's a blind spot of mine when i grew up um i was constantly in fear of being beaten i was because... told i wasn't good enough i was told that i was not a worthy person. I was a joke. Um, so I developed a really hard shell and just for survival. I talked to my brother about that today. And unfortunately with that, I can be very, very arrogant. That also comes with being a scholar. <laughs> I think that's, that's one of our blind spots as scholars. We've got to realize and just be real careful about that, you know, because you're going to lose more people than you, than you, if you really want your message to get out there as a scholar, if you really want to educate people, you can't be too arrogant because that will turn them off. 
And I have done that far too often. I, I don't get that. I have never felt that arrogance. I've only ever seen you as someone who is confident. It's never come across as anything uh, as a negative state of being, but you know, it doesn't matter what I think it matters, what you think. And do you feel like you're coming to terms with that? Like you have forgiven yourself. Yeah. I've had loved ones tell me about this arrogance and I just couldn't see it. So I didn't think it existed. Mm-hmm. But then um, once again, my friend, Chris pointed out to me, he said, he said, don't, don't kick people in the nuts when they're telling you that you're right. He said, you do that all the time. And oh. I said, really? I thought, what a jerk I am. <laughs> and when he told me, this is somebody I trust and love. If he says I'm doing it, and also I've heard it from other people in my life, versions of it from Noel, versions of it from my niece, where they get really angry at me. And I can't, I don't, why are you so angry at me? Well, I, I, I think what it is, is that arrogance, and I need to become aware of it. Because if I'm going to become this bodhisattvic ideal, if I'm going to become this person that can help people in the other world, I got to get my shit together while I'm alive. Okay, so that that's my main thing. You know, if if I were to say that I have a fear, my fear is that I will go over to the other side. Unworthy. That I will go over to the other side, not having done due diligence to make myself into something that heaven would want to use. Oh, that's such a tall order. I mean, I I mean, for any of us to want to achieve that, that you're really got to leave room, don't you? For just the human condition. And I think you got to leave room for the Mickey who has gone through everything that you've gone through in your life and uh, ha- have risen above. You're not, are you trying to reach perfection? Let me tell you something that happened to me. Ever since I was a teenager, I've studied Zen Buddhism, loved it. And there's a saying in Zen that I would repeat over and over and over again, because I loved it so much. Um, When I first saw a mountain, all I saw was the mountain. When I became enlightened, I looked at the mountain and it was no longer a mountain. But when I overcame my enlightenment, the mountain was a mountain again. And I loved it because it it rang something in my head. And I couldn't figure out why until two years ago, I think it was. I was, at that point, I could still ride a bike. I rode my bike to to UH campus because I was going to teach and I stopped. It was a nice day, you know, sunny. I was over by the art building, uh, by um, between where the student center is. Um, I just stopped and I was just, something happened. I, um, I, I disappeared. I, meld merged with everything so actually it wasn't that i disappeared it was that the mickey of this world disappeared and i became the nearest point thing i could call it's corny right but one with the universe um there, there was this merging that happened right there uh and i thought this is delicious 
this feels extraordinary but it wasn't like flowers started raining from the heaven or you know uh, um, a bunch of spiritual beings appeared in front of me in a heavenly choir oh i was going anything none of that happened it was just a normal day and it was the normalcy that gave it beauty that this was that i was actually seeing reality for the first time mm-hmm. that before you know it's that saw the mountain and all I saw was the mountain. Then I saw the mountain and it was more than that. When I started saying, okay, there's more to this life, right? When I started studying Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, et cetera, right? Um, then the mountain became a mountain again. That's what happened was that that merging with everything. First of all, it, I was not, I didn't disappear. It's just the trappings of who I was in this world disappeared. And I felt connected to everybody and everything. And it was just a normal day. And it, 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 was, it, was, it was perfectly normal. That's just the way that the universe is. And I thought, this is, <laughs> if this is what it's like to die, sign me up. Of course, at the time, I didn't know I was dying. But yeah. You didn't know you were dying then. You, did, you had no, right. and you may not have had the lilies growing yet. I have a feeling they were there. Yeah. The, the bulbs were there. How's that? Yeah, I wonder. Um, we we just have a couple minutes to uh, wrap up here. Do you can you think of based on that conversation something you'd like to send everyone away with? Um. No. <laughs> Here's what you know. What I put you on. I totally put you on the spot. But you know what I'm sitting here thinking. What's that? Uh, We all know that we should meditate or find something that is meditative for us. I feel like, oh man, tomorrow I'm going to open my Calm app and I'm going to actually do what I've been telling myself I need to do for the longest time because I have been lucky enough to have one of those moments where. And it was, I was on the mainland in the Midwest and a raccoon scurried across the road while I was driving. And I, all of a sudden, I just melted into everything else around me. And I felt so connected. And Eckhart Tolle talks about those Mm -hmm. sudden moments that really make us recognize how connected we are to everything. And you never, you go on with normal life, but you can never quite go away from that recognition so what would my advice be yeah what's your advice um all this coming out of me right now is silence (sighs) i love it okay thank you so much for sharing your story and let's all take a moment of silence (laughs) get something to eat I'm Donna Blanchard. James Charisma is our producer. Susan Wright is our content advisor, PR agent, and support team member. Music generously donated by Kainani Kahaunaele from her Hoku Award-winning album, Waipunale. We're all here to support our friend Mickey and help him help all of us to learn about living while dying.